This is a previously recorded episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my second podcast. This is Elizabeth Tintinale with Liz in Detroit, great realtor with Real Estate One. If you need to reach me, you can do so on Twitter, which is at LizInDetroit.com. Also, my Facebook, which is LizInDetroit.com. And my website, which is www.lizindetroit.com. It's my pleasure to actually have a guest today on my second podcast, and that happens to be Skip Stackhouse of DeBrick House Home Inspections. Very happy to have him be a part here because if, if any of you remember from my first podcast, I, I went into a lot about my history as well as why I love doing real estate in the city of Detroit. And one of the first inspectors I met in the city was Skip himself and made an incredible impression on me, and I'm very pleased that I continue to work to him with him now. And so when I asked him to be a part of the show, I was very happy that he accepted. So, Skip, so glad to have you here today. Happy to be here. Wonderful. So as we both know, it's springtime. Yes. And the market has started to pick up almost like a flip of the switch. Oh, yes. Tell us about your business and how things are happening now. Well, you know, the, the home inspection business is not – Exactly seasonal, but it certainly has a seasonal aspect. The month, the months of December and January are typically slow, um, but this February and even last February were among the busiest months of my of my business. So the month of March has been exceedingly busy. I'm as busy now as as if it's the middle of summer. Fantastic. Yeah, very active. What are you think are one of the most important things that you like to bring forth on your inspections when you're dealing with, say, a first-time home buyer? It's a tutorial from start to finish. People simply do not know how houses work in the way that I don't know how computers work or how <laughs> automobiles work. People live in a house, but they have no idea how it works. So I begin every inspection with a brief overview, and from start to finish, it's a learning. I insist on that. I think it's important. Yeah. What are the key things that you want to bring forth when you're giving this education to these buyers? Like what are the key things that you think are the most important things to look after when you're getting the inspection? When you're getting the inspection yeah. or as a homeowner? Well, it, both because if you're looking at the house, these are important things that you have to be mindful of as a homeowner. Well, what people need to I, – I say it this way in the field. Everything that is done right looks right. You don't even have to be a professional. A novice can look at something and, and that just doesn't look right to me. And it, they should trust it every single time. They'll be right every time. Said another way, everything done correctly on a house, from the rough work to the finish, is pretty to look at. So if it's not pretty, that almost certainly means there's something wrong with it. And, of course, my job during the inspection is to tell them what's wrong and, to some extent, what it would cost to correct it, which is interesting because my industry frowns on that. They, they don't really want inspectors telling people what it costs to do something. So I've prepared a package that gives people national average cost to install a roof or driveway or furnace, upgrade the plumbing, et cetera. What do you think are one of the biggest – Misconceptions. I think that I know, of course, being a realtor, when I walk people through doing the inspection with an inspector, often th there's specific things that I think buyers get very afraid of and may think 
is a worse situation than it actually is. Like, you know, um, let's say, for example, when you're in the basement, like settlement cracks, like things like that. Like, what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that people think might think are a lot worse in an inspection than they actually are? Yeah, I like that question. Um, Let me answer it this way. I tell people that I, as their expert on site, I'm going to write down loose doorknobs, going to write down a tear in the screen, a crack in the ceiling. But there are only five things that matter. And those five things are these, and nothing is more important than the first one. Water infiltration. When the snow melts, when it rains, if there's a plumbing problem, and I ask them to become visual with me. Where is your house telling that water to disperse? There is no bigger question because water is the great solvent. Nothing on the planet can contend with it. The next important thing of the big five is foundation and structure. And you mentioned cracks in a wall. People, they overreact to the smallest, most insignificant crack. So as part of the tutorial, I say this. You want to look for a crack that's wider than a quarter of an inch. You want to look for a crack that is not the same width throughout its run. If it's a half inch wide at one point and goes down to an eighth of an inch, that's, that could be alarming. That could be an indicator. Mm-hmm. And then something called shearing, where the wall on one side or the other, the crack sits out or in from the other side. Those are indicators of something serious. But in all cold climates, especially here in Michigan, Concrete and masonry cracks. It's what it does. So then the next three big things are the systems, collectively the plumbing, the electricity, and the heat and air conditioning. Mm -hmm. So people will overreact to a a light that doesn't come on even though it's just a bad bulb or no bulb in it at all. They will react to loose switches and all sorts of things that just are not significant. And that's why I think the tutorial is so important. To, and, and frankly, it doesn't always work because no matter how clear I am about it, no matter how insistent I am, they still want to point at the crack on the wall and what about that? So, sure, yeah, sure. Being patient with them is crucial. And I know because I've been in this situation with you before with other clients, when you're get, putting forth this information, it's up to the buyer to decide, is this a decision that they're going to make to want to take this stuff on? And how lightly do they take being a homeowner? And I know you have experience because when I met you, you were also doing a lot of these renovations yourself. Yes. So having that firsthand knowledge is a big thing. And tell me how important is giving that advice as someone who does that work is to the is to your clients. Yeah. Again, a good question. I spent about fifteen years teaching others to become home inspectors. And along the way, we discovered that the various associations in this business, as I said earlier, do not want you to talk about repairs, not just talk about the repairs themselves or the cost to complete one. And most inspectors don't have that background anyway. Some, some of the very best inspectors I know were cookie makers or school teachers before they got into this business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're teachable. But in terms of the seriousness of those conditions, I honestly believe that 
it's more important to simply walk the person through a basic repair because I don't think you should be talking about buying a home if you're not concerned about maintaining it. Sure. There is no perfect. All of the houses are going to need maintenance of one kind or another. So as a part of the tutorial, I talk about the importance of maintenance and to some extent I will tell them what they should expect to pay a professional to make the repairs. And one of my lines, and this this is a line, is that professionals are cheaper than amateurs. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, th- those are the kinds of things I do and promote in the field. Sure. Because sure. people are really quite nervous. When I, one of the things I learned many years ago is that moving is third on the stress scale <laughs> behind death and divorce. Think yes. about that. Yes. Death, divorce, moving. Yeah. That's pretty serious company. Mm-hmm. And often during a home inspection, all three things are happening. Somebody died, a divorce is in place, and obviously somebody's moving. So reducing the stress level is very key to the performance, the work of a home inspector. Tell me about structuring um, points of priority in the information you give in your inspection so that when it comes to the next steps, so it's like, so you hear you have this inspection and then the buyer's like, so what's next? Yeah, they always want to ask you that. What's, yeah. the, what's the priority list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting them away from the, the aesthetics. Everybody wants to address the pretty. The number one concern is always stopping the moisture. So mm-hmm. if you have a problem at the roof or what we call VTRs, which, by the way, stands for vent through roof, anything that penetrates the roof, a chimney, a, a vent stack, a roof vent, um, those are opportunities for moisture. So checking the moisture is number one. And, of course, that's connect, that connects to the uh, gutters and downspouts, which are you know, part of the drainage system. So water, stopping water is always number one. Now think about how vast that is because it begins with the roof. So if the roof is in trouble, then that becomes a major priority. Second, I think, and this is a big movement all across the country, is increasing the efficiencies of the house. And this is interesting because it's never on the seller. It's never about the seller. It's about you're about to buy a home that is under-insulated, it's under-ventilated, and we are saying this from Florida to Alaska, from New Mexico to Maine, insulate, insulate, insulate. So those are the, the real priorities. Now, on the other hand, we have the mechanicals, the plumbing, the electricity, and, of course, heat and air conditioning. Those are code-based, and the whole house is code-based. But usually when someone speaks about, is it up to code, sure. we're talking about one of those three things. And they can be very, very dangerous. Now, here's the bad news. It's it's bad enough that they can be dangerous, but they continue to work when they're dangerous. It's not like they fail, but it means an ugly moment is coming. So if we see hazards in those systems, in that collective group, then they become very, very high priorities. And there are all sorts of little things that can be utterly dangerous that people just don't know about. Can I take a moment and give you an example of one? Please, please. On every water heater, there is something called a temperature and pressure relief valve. And you'll see it. Usually it's a little toggle, and below it there's a discharge pipe. Yes. That valve is there in case the water heater overheats and creates too much pressure. And in a residential structure, 
there's absolutely nothing that can prevent it from becoming a rocket. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the house that will keep it there if that ugly moment comes. Well, the toggle is there to simply pop open, release the water, and thus the pressure. Well, very often I'll be in a house where the toggle is present, but it's right on a wall. Mm-hmm. So that if it needs to open, it simply can't. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very flimsy kind of toggle. It's the Its, it's function is absolutely crucial, mm-hmm. but it's flimsy. So almost anything can stop it from opening. And that, the correction is nearly nothing. And in the absence of it, we have a very ugly moment coming. I mean, not just for the house, but sure. sometimes for the whole block. Sure. We're talking an explosion here. Yeah. And there are many such examples. That's sure. I find that working in a lot of the older historic home um, market, there's often a concerns about the mixture of updating the electrical from former fuse box fuses to circuit breaker, or in many situations, having a combination of the both. Of, of both. Talk to, talk to us a bit about what not to be alarmed when you see that, and conversely, what to look out for that might need an upgrade when what you you know when you see that as well. Yeah, that connects to one of your earlier questions. Mm-hmm. The most alarming thing we see, um, I don't know if it's the most, but it's certainly on the list, is amateur work. I blame Home Depot. You know, that that slogan, you can do it, we can help. It simply isn't true. It's just <laughs> not true. Um, amateur work is perhaps the most alarming thing because YouTube and Home Depot have convinced people that they can wire a house. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the old wiring, knob and tube, it's called. Yes. It becomes problematic when an amateur has made the transition from the old to new. But if you've had a pro there and at a glance, a seasoned home inspector knows whether or not a professional has been on site on all of the systems. So knob and tube in and of itself, harmless, nothing wrong with it. In some ways, it's safer than the new stuff. And the same thing is true with the panel itself. We talk about fuses. People will see a fuse panel and act as if, oh, my God, this is a disaster. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. Fuse panels are in many ways safer than a breaker panel. They're they're more sensitive. When a fuse blows, it sort of tells you why. <laughs> the breaker on the other hand just trips. You have no idea. You've got to search it out, what's going on. But the fuse will smudge and tell you it's a short or it'll blow and tell you it's an overload. So, uh, yeah, amateur work, that's the big problem. And that is a problem in every single aspect of the home. You know, when people are looking into um, finding a inspector as far as cost associated with the service itself you know do you feel that there is you charge like a range based on the type of property like how do you go about assessing you know how people choose you for their inspector well i have a story to tell i don't know if we have time enough for me to tell it but when i was um before i became a home inspector i worked at wayne county community college and I was in charge of something called the Occupational Skills Training Academy. And at that academy, we were teaching people to maintain homes. I mean, everything from roofing to gutters to the mechanicals, electrical, plumbing, and so on. And word got out that we were doing this. And so home buyers clubs were very popular back then. Mm -hmm. And they got word that we we could design a class. So they wanted us to design a 30-hour class 
that would teach their prospective buyers hmm. how to maintain a house. And if they came to that class, they would get a $10,000 forgivable loan. So lots of incentive. <laughs> yeah, right. Lots of incentive. Well, the very first one, one of the students said to me, well, Skip, when I get my house, would you come look at it for me? And I said, sure. But she said it to everyone. So I'm thinking coffee, hugs, kisses, donuts, <laughs> you know. So I show up and sure enough, I have some coffee and donuts, I hugs and kisses, and I leave. <laughs> well, the house was a disaster. It was, a, it was a complete disaster, but it was all new, all shiny and new. The cabinets literally fell off the walls. The The driveway was one inch thick. There was no felt under the roof. All sorts of things were wrong, and I did nothing. I just, mm. how you doing? I'm happy for you. That's all I did. Mm. This woman called me, would have sued me if she could have. She was absolutely livid, had reason to be, but not at me. Sure. She, she called the mayor, every member of the city council. She went as far as Lansing. She even called the governor. That's how broken she was by this. And I said at that time, this will never happen again, not to anyone mm-hmm. that knows me. Sure. Because I could have done it. I could have inspected it. I just mm-hmm. didn't know that that's what she was asking me. And, of course, it looked shiny and new. Right. So I launched a home inspection business thinking, this is how naive I was, I literally thought I was the first home inspector in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to charge. You know, I, I was charging 50 bucks to be yeah. out there for two or three hours because at that point, I'm the knight on shining armor. Nobody's going to take advantage of you, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So uh, over the years, uh, word just got out that there was a champion for the people in home inspections. Yeah. And when I first got into the business, I would have to go around to – brokers and try to convince them to hire a home inspector. Well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't advertise at all. Uh, my business is 100% word of mouth, and I'm a very, very busy home inspector. I like your story, and that's one of the things that I think I like best when I met you. And that kind of passion I see goes beyond the work that you do. Um, and it, you know, it, 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 it it's about your perception of how, you know, community is. Yes. So tell me about, in, you know, particularly with the city of Detroit, why is it you do what you do and, and you do it, I, from what I know, mostly within the city of Detroit? What keeps you here within the community versus go anywhere else? Wow. That's, that's so interesting. Uh, we don't have enough time for me to give you <laughs> a, a full answer to that question. I... I am in love with the city of Detroit, and it's based on my nostalgia. Uh, I was raised there. There's a video out there. I was, I'm a storyteller. I don't know if I've said that to anyone, but I was asked to tell a love story on Valentine's Day, and I chose to personify the city of Detroit as if it was my woman and told this very sappy story about my love for the place. The truth is, I got my start in the suburbs. Sure. After that lady, I spent 20 years working the suburbs. Detroit mm-hmm. learned about me late in the game. Mm. For the first 23 years of my 25-year career in this business, 80% of what I did, I did beyond the boundaries of the city. That has reversed in the last two years. I am in Detroit with people moving in from everywhere. Pockets, of course, because sure. there's a lot of despair. In yeah. the city. But uh, 
my my love for the city of Detroit and my reasons for it would take a whole lot more time than we have. Yeah. I thank you yeah. very much for your time and your story. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. That about wraps us up for our show today. I just want to say thanks to you all for listening. Um, looking forward to our next show, talking more about real estate within the city of Detroit, how I can help you, how my clients can help you make better decisions. Thank you. I look forward to talking with you soon. This is a previously recorded episode of